Hello, I'm Kane Winstead. Hello, Internet. I'm Matthew Derrigish. And you're listening to the Untold Talks of Spider-Man, a podcast about deep cuts, forgotten classics, and what it truly means to be a Spider-Man story. First up, on our Winter Wonderland block, you may never make a sound. Oh, I'm sorry, I misread that. <laughs> Much more menacing. You never make a sound. <laughs> uh... Matt, why don't you talk about this one, which is the all-new, all-daring Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man, number 112. Alrighty, this is from December 1985 with writer Peter David, Hensler, Mark Beecham, Inks, Pat Redding, colorist Yovanov and Russos, and creative consultants Donner and Blitzen. Oh man, I love Donner and Blitzen. <laughs> Turn out the best. Uh, this comic is maybe a little harder to find than our normal fare. I could, it didn't seem to be available on Comixology. It doesn't seem to be available on Marvel Unlimited, but if you find an issue out in the real world away from cyberspace, you can get it for a couple bucks. It is also collected in the Essential Spectacular Spider-Man trade number five, which is only in black and white, but it's one of those old phone books, so that's to be expected. Yeah, you get you get a lot of stories, but th- this is one. This is one that I would I would not recommend you go out that route if that's if you wanted to get the story like the art in this is really well rendered uh so i would i would really recommend just either you know buying buying the the book for like five dollars shipping included uh online or or hunting through the stacks for it um all right well kane do you want to break down some of the context that this comic comes to us from yeah yeah of course of course so this was during peter david's run on spectacular and it was really a moment to step back into there's a lot going on in the background of this comic which is evident by the many references editor's notes and setups for future events that being said this issue works perfectly fine as like a standalone with all the call outs like nathan lebesky black cat's luck powers randy robertson's marriage etc 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 uh they don't really distract from the main narrative um they they like it, it's worked in in a way that really kind of like feeds into the narrative but we'll, we'll we'll get in that in a little bit um before we started i just wanted to point out the cover is what initially grabbed me for this issue i've, I've I haven't read it before um, this we did this episode, but it's been in my collection for a while because I don't know if you're familiar with uh, the Terminator, the original Terminator, but the poster for it is Arnold holding like a gun with what looks like maybe like a big laser scope or like something on top of it. Uh, It might have been something a costuming to make you know it looked more quote-unquote futuristic or whatever and he's got like the sunglasses and the menacing look well this comic does that like it's it's an homage to that but instead of arnold it's santa with like a lit cigarette there's there's lens flare on the barrel of the gun and his sunglasses he's got fingerless gloves it's like a badass looking santa Uh, it's just it's a really funny image um so i had to i had to grab it when as soon as i found it um and and i feel like that humor continues through the story this is like like there's a lot of like dark humor in this but like it's a really 
funny story and and not in a like gag gaggy kind of way but more in in like in, there there are like elements of comedy of error there are elements of really dark humor there you know there there's you know your classic spider-man yucks too like this is a really funny issue and, and it's a good one um before we dive in did, did you have any did you recognize the the cover or have anything to say about the humor well i mean the cover is grabbing there's no toys around it uh i guess i didn't pair it to the terminator then now that you say it uh, clearly it is mm-hmm. just not that's not one of the things that's in my mind a lot but the big thing about this issue coming in for me is that this issue is very much of an era more so than about any issue i think we've read thus far uh there's a lot of timely references that uh kind of went over my head there there is a lot about the situation of where spider-man was at the time pulled through this comic that if you're trying to read this by itself is gonna feel a bit off but there's just a lot of circumstance going on and it's still a fun read this is just of an era of comics that we're not in anymore on top of being in an era that we're not in anymore (laughs) so i i think it's true for both of us that this came out before we were born so you know historical perspective yeah yeah we were we we're uh definitely still but to twinkle in in our the eyes of our respective parents at this point uh no not, not to show our our age okay like and you know still talking about just overall this issue um, the pencils and inks are like really moody for like the Christmas story. They 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 almost employ like a chiaroscuro kind of kind of look or like a uh, film noir lighting, um, or like at least as close as you can get on with the colors on newsprint. Because with chiaroscuro, like you really need to have like a strong contrast between color and light and everything, and and there's only so much you can do with the technology at the time but like all the all the characters have like very strong hashing for really dark shadows and but kind of more of like a flat coloring elsewhere so it, it really does make make these things pop and so it it kind of looks like a like a like a, a noir dr- drama or something or like a, a thriller of like the the neo noir area uh, era um like like maybe like Heat or um the movie Heat um I, anyway anyway um I, I was trying to think of a comic that would have like a similar coloring at the time but I I couldn't really think of anything um. But I mean, did did you notice? Did you notice that? Like, I, I don't know if if lighting is your thing, but I I, I notice lighting a lot uh, in movies and comics, a little yeah. less so. But to me, this looks like an '80s comic. Like, oh, okay, well, yeah, this is just my film studies, like minor showing up in weird places. <laughs> <laughs> Got to get some mileage out of it somewhere. Uh, okay. I, I mean- when I do say 80s comics, I mean, there is a house style and artists were try- would be forced to do their best to adhere to those stylistic standards as much as possible. Different era of comics. And for that, I mean, I think a lot of them hit it pretty well. And so, I mean, you can notice artistic differences if you're really in the Mayu of the comics at the time. But considering how often I go back to this period of the 80s, especially outside of the classics, if you will, is just, yeah, it looks right. like an 80s comic. We get sp- spider-man in that black though rendered blue outfit which is i i just never got that after the whole venom deal you'd think uh he wouldn't want to wear that (laughs) 
Right. Well, it's, um, I mean, yeah, I mean, this is definitely in the house style, but I, 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 th- I think it's more just the, the hatching uh, and playing with the lighting. Um, I think that also, uh, I won't get into that, but like, it, it's that, that struck me as unique because you don't really see that a lot in the house style. Uh, you, you would see like a, a flatter lighting, um, typically, but it's, it's, it's a small point. Uh, let, let's, let's dive, dive into this, this issue. Um, so you've got like the, uh, it, it's, it takes place Christmas Eve. And you just get like a bunch of little vignettes, really, as the comic progresses. So we start out with this burglar who kind of runs through the outside of a Macy's and is like pickpocketing and stealing things that people have purchased. And you already get like the first good joke uh, where the burglar notices like, hey, what's going on? Why does everyone out here look like a model? Which is is funny because um, Beecham draws very attractive people. Uh, His portfolio, if you look at it, is filled with pinups and erotica. And, you know, like this is in this guy's wheelhouse to draw people attractive. And not only were they drawn attractive in this, they're drawn very trendy. Uh, They're they're, everyone is very fashion forward in the way they dress in this. And so the fact that like the burglar kind of like notices that is like a funny meta joke uh, that's not too over over the top as far as like fourth wall breaking. It's more like fourth wall winking. Um but I, I thought that was that was particularly funny. And then, you know, he gets to run in with Spider-Man and he like comes up with a sob story about how his mother's clavicle has like all these these medical bills and it's going to be her last Christmas. And can't Spider-Man like find it in his heart? And he's like, you know, I found it in my heart to let one one guy go one time and I've been paying for it ever since. And also, you have to be a pretty big idiot to fall for that. And of course, the woman who he uh, pickpockets from not only finds him and forgives him, but he then steals her watch as he gets away. So, like, it's, I mean, that's classic Peter David, I, I feel, is, um, I'm, I'm trying to find the, like, the, the right allegory to go with. But um, anyway, uh, it was just, it was, it was a funny gag, I thought. Uh, and then so, you know, past that, like I said, we get like little vignettes as we check in with the side cast and like each page seems to be like a different person where Peter calls them to see what they're doing for Christmas. And they like, they tell him like, oh, I'm going to meet, be meeting with so-and-so like Aunt May is like, yeah, well, like Lebeski is still in the hospital. So me and Anna Watson, we're going to get together and like and then she knows that something is burning in the oven so she puts the phone down while peter goes through his like sad sack spiel and then he's like okay well i guess i'm not invited so i'll go and this kind of continues where like he'll he talks to robbie robertson and robbie's like oh yeah my son's coming in town and like peter's like oh well i guess i'm not invited to that and like turns around and leaves and then Robbie gets distracted for a second. He's like, oh, by the way, Peter, you're welcome to come. Oh, Peter's not here anymore. And like that, that keeps happening. And so I, 
How'd you feel about this as a way to kind of like check in with the 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 support cast in a way to kind of like fill in their lives and how they spend the holidays? I, I thought it was a good way for us to go through and check in with all these characters. You're getting a lot of development of where they are because their trials and tribulations are as much the story at this point, you know, as Peter's in a way, you know, when he's not Spider-Man, but Peter Parker's trials and tribulations and they all intersect. So they are much more so than I feel we get now, the supporting cast. <laughs> and it, it, you just have a lot of fun. You have some weird little moments with them. And the other thing too about this is this is a story of of Peter Parker like looking for plans and bemoaning everything when everybody wants to invite him but he keeps dodging out too quickly because he doesn't have patience for them really e- even though it's not it's not a lack of patience in a way because he's just busy and moving on it's not that he's fed up with them it's that he's just moving on to the next thing but that lack of slowing down is what's causing him all of his grief and you kind of realize this is how he goes through life this is what he's doing every day and this is how people are used to dealing with him in a way so it doesn't hit them as odd and it's seeing peter parker from their eyes in a way where he he's a good guy he does good things but he's you know he's a flake he he skips out easily he's always doing five things at once and so they kind of keep him at a length even aunt may Mm -hmm. and i you know it's it's kind of funny as you go through but when you pull back it's a little sad Oh, it's definitely sad. And we'll, we'll kind of get that to that in just a little bit. But um, so, yeah, so after all these like seeming rejections, we get probably like one of the darkest gags I've seen in a Spider-Man comic where like Spider-Man is swinging by like so he's like he's down because he thinks everyone is snubbing him for Christmas and he's like swinging by a like elementary school and he looks down it's like i wish i was as carefree as those kids down there immediately we cut to a kid who has visible bruises from being abused at home and like his teacher is trying to support him and like help him through this and the guy's dad shows up and then threatens the teacher by spreading he'll say like he'll start spreading rumors that like this guy's like a kid toucher uh the, the teacher and like and then and then it's over like, I, I, I don't know if this is a thread that was, like, going through these comics at a time, at this time, or, or what, but, like, as it's presented here, this is, like, a really cruel joke played at, like, Peter Parker's expense for his, like, naivete of, like, looking at children and seeing innocence. Um, like, I, I don't know if I'm reading too much into this or or what but like what were your thoughts on this i just thought ah that's a peter david comic (laughs) yeah i mean yeah it's a definitely it's a definite peter david move and and it's it's speaking to the idea of innocence because this comic does deal with the idea of the innocence of the christmas time with you know you get the the sob story uh you know from at the beginning you've like the the main thread is about like tricking kids into like casing homes by proxy sort of like like christmas like the naivete that uh is in a lot of christmas stories that we tell around this time of year is definitely being satirized in this comic and i i guess that's the that's part of the satirization right here is is this this page but it is a page and for a comic that's so like densely packed with all this stuff it's weird that we like devote an entire page to this but 
whatever. Uh, like you said, it's a Peter David comic. Um, uh, there is another gag I wanted to get your take on, where uh, okay. when the bugle's a little more fleshed out, Joy would hand Peter some assignments. And in here she mentions, you know, why don't you get a beeper? And Peter takes a moment, uh, thinking like he's fighting Dr. Octopus. He's like, oh, sorry, that's my beeper. Gotta go. And like, it's a good gag, but then I paused and thought for a second, like, here's the inventor of the uh, Parker Industries phone that when blew up, set the world back for a moment, like, in the (laughs) 80s, like, balking at the idea of a pager. And I'm like, you know, this character has been through some different... Uh, my favorite part about that gag is like peter or spider-man go like hold on that's my beeper and dr octus was being like oh no i'm a doctor i know what a beeper is (laughs) (laughs) like (laughs) it's great because like one of my friends is uh, a a doctor and they still use beepers um you know like eh um but that that was that was the funny part of the gag to me but yeah yeah you're right like it is a different era where you know we have like the george orwellian like spider watch uh that you know eventually like detonated all over the world and like turned people into zombies or stopped them turning into zombies or whatever was going on in in clone conspiracy but yeah yeah yeah. so definitely a different uh different take on spider-man and technology um okay so all right so i I mentioned the the whole like uh main thread of this story as far as like the spider-man action goes so like uh, we we get this like scheming, sneering mall Santa using his gig to like to uh, case houses. So like what he does is like he sits there and listens to all these kids list all this stuff they already have and then the stuff they want for Christmas to like work with this stuff. So like the the example we get is like this kid saying, yeah, yeah, my mom just got like this brand new VCR and it's like this really cool one and I want to get the new Raiders of the Lost Ark, uh, you know, VHS tape so I can watch it on that. And the mall saying is like, oh, you got a VHS tape? Oh, it's really Really nice. So yeah, yeah, I'll get all this. I'll make sure you get that tape. Uh, What's your address again? So I make sure I get it to the right house. And like Beecham then draws like this, like the most like sinister, like (laughs) got him kind of look on Santa as he's like penciling in like in a small address book uh, where this kid lives, who coincidentally is next door, uh, like across the wall from spider-man which will of course come into play later in the comic but like oh my gosh like (laughs) his face was fantastic um i mean it's like it was a great great moment i thought what what were your what were your thoughts on this yeah i mean as far as setting up a villain this is like just boom 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 and he gets so much in a page essentially Mm -hmm. and i i just thought it was a yeah no it's a good setup and then we're immediately back to peter parker and his woes we're back to peter parker whacking away in his apartment well yeah so he has one of the paddle balls and then the ball snaps off (laughs) the sound effect is whack 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 right yeah so he's trying to he's apparently and by apparently i mean i think the issue prior or maybe two issues prior uh thieves 
break into Peter's apartment and like a fire. I can't remember. I think they set fire to the whole thing. And so he's sitting in the ruins of his apartment, which this was like the really cool apartment he had that had like all the knickknacks. And I think, I think it was one of the annuals that kind of showed you like the, the floor plan and like all his doodads and whatnot. Um, but so he's sitting in there and he's like, oh, well, let's see what Mary Jane's up to. Maybe maybe she'll want to do something for Christmas. And then we, we kind of get Beecham going to his his wheelhouse of drawing like super sexy women in, you know, compromising positions and, and whatnot, which, you know, your mileage may vary on that depending on. But the, what, what I wanted to talk about was the opening panel is her in the bathtub with her like legs kind of like going in unnatural angles and like like they seem to be like askew from her torso and at the top of the episode i mentioned that there was a lot of hashing that really fleshed out how the lighting works and and looks but this image of mary jane it doesn't have any of that hashing uh and the colors are super flat and so because the anatomy is weird on this and because that hatching is gone and because Beecham is like no no stranger to drawing like erotica i i wonder if he drew something that was deemed a little too spicy and then they had another another artist come in and just do a quick cover up because this i and it it, I don't think it really matches the rest of the art in even the the rest of this page. Uh, do you think I'm do you think I'm like uh, reading too much into that or looking at I like do, do you see, see it? what you're saying? I didn't linger on this page the amount of time you did, Kane. But uh, oh oh, you just called me out. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can see what you're saying. Looking at it, the coloring is completely different. So mm-hmm. the idea that they slap something in makes sense. Uh, but right and, be- and like, like uh, not to, sorry to interrupt you. And like, I'm not saying that like that's what happened. Like, I don't have anything confirming that. All I'm doing is going off a hunch from what I've seen visually, and going off of when uh, Kurt Busiak commented on our episode, saying that he ran into this issue. And I mean, that story was in '92, so that's like eight years after this. But well, it's still of that era. Like it's it's definitely possible that that there was like an editor was like that's ah, a little bit too much for this you know Spider Man story. Like let's let's tone it down a little bit. Let's pull in a fill in artist to just like draw something real quick over this because this is going out the door. There's a long history of artists trying to slip things past editors too, and this would be one of those moments. So mm-hmm. you know, I I'd believe it though. A half page spread of a, a spread would probably. <laughs> tip an editor off uh right before mary jane though one of the more interesting moments for me was peter calls up harry to try oh, to yeah. do something and harry's dealing with a kid with liz you know normie but it's just baby at this point you know mm. and harry can't even hear peter over the crying baby and whatnot and i just it, this was just such a real human moment with these characters growing and the sort of things you'd run into. And it just, I don't know, it just added so much to the comic for me and put Harry in a place where, like, yeah, you're probably not going to hear much from Harry for the next few years. <laughs> I mean, yeah, this, this is... It's kind of like kind of what you said. Like you see the characters grow and change. I mean, this is a far step from like Harry Osborne with the Fu Manchu mustache from like his Thank college God. years. 
Uh, you know, this this is Harry, the father, who's who's kind of like, well, this baby's screaming in my ear, and its poop is sick, so you're not gonna hear me from me for a while. So let's uh, let's let's pass on Christmas. <laughs> um, right. So yeah, yeah, you're right. And then uh, past all that, we get some fun with Felicia. Yeah. So this, uh, so Peter and Felicia do have their big breakup in Spectacular 100. So this is a year later. We're still kind of dealing with the fallout of that and and Felicia trying to like work past that and really work through her identity. And this is the issue where she kind of decides, well, like, I guess I guess I'll try some like anti-hero stuff. Uh, you know, essentially she decides to go and give her as a Christmas present to herself, kind of do some black catting and foils a, a robbery of a, a fur coat emporium. And I think, oh, I just so happened to accidentally bring these fur coats with me after I left the scene of the crime. Oopsies. And then, like, she sees some homeless ladies and decides, like, well, I, I already have a ton of fur coats. I don't really need these. I'll, I'll give these I'll give these coats to these ladies who are trying to, like, warm themselves up next to the, uh, you know, the cliche dumpster fire or I'm sorry, or oil barrel fire that you always see um in, in these kind of stories that uh uh people of lesser means being uh or kind of congregating around to keep themselves warm so and then felicia kind of realizes well i can i can kind of balance out this whole like i need to steal versus i want to be in spider-man's good graces thing by kind of doing a robin hood movement so that, that that's kind of where this starts um well to the era thing though and pointing out some of the art that you were lingering on though i guess this didn't grab you the way mary jane did uh i was not lingering uh-huh uh-huh uh there's a lot of cheesecake here and it's just from a different era you wouldn't get this anymore yeah moving on from the cheesecake of black cat uh there is a lot of her essentially moving into more of a robin hood role is what they're setting her up for here which is an interesting idea um i don't believe it was incredibly long-lived but yeah I don't know. It's fun. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. Speaking of fun, let's look at the opposite. So, <laughs> what's up with this scene? Okay, so I guess, like, Peter has exhausted all of his options as far as, like, a Christmas Eve together. So, he cracks open one of his two... Uh, I guess he grabs both of his, his last two Coca-Colas, which... Classic give, Coke. Give, do what? They're classic, not new Coke. He makes big deal. Oh, about uh, that. yeah, I was gonna say gives the great reference, you know, timely reference of like, oh, this is this is Coca Cola classic, by the way. None of that new stuff. Um, <laughs> which for our younger listeners, uh, if you've ever wondered why Coca Cola says Coca Cola classic on the cans, it's because in the eighties they tried a new Coke and everyone hated it so they re-released the coca-cola classic some people think this might have been a ploy to kind of make people nostalgic for coca-cola because uh sales were starting to slump for anyway but anyway that's that's that reference um so but peter's having this like it seems like a breakdown because he's got like (laughs) his 
Spider-Man costume, like, sitting on a chair, looking like, like, <laughs> and he's, like, talking to it, and he's like, I'll never be alone as long as I have you. And, like, it's just like, <laughs> oh my god, like, you're just like, is, is he okay? Like, is is everything going right with Peter? Like, man. <laughs> but it's, 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 even- it's, another, it's another instance of Peter David's, like, dark humor coming through, and, like, how well, like, strangely well it works with Spider-Man, who is not, like, a dark and brooding character, and so, like, you don't really expect these kind of, like, you know, uh, sucker punches out of nowhere, but, oh my god, they work so well with this character. It is weird, though, for all our Drunk Pete fans out there, that he's drinking Coke and having this whole breakdown. It really feels like he should be uh, drinking at this point. Yeah, I mean, it, it, if, if there was not a time for it to be Miller time, it would be this. But, I mean, we, we've kind of had, like, a, a fast and loose in the continuity where it's... Uh, Peter doesn't really drink, and he's never really given, like, an exact re- Like, there's never been, like, a big- Like, the- he does not have, like, a demon-in-the-bottle-esque uh, story where, like, he refuses to drink. But, like, he's just always kind of, like, politely declined any kind of drinking. Uh, there- there's been the occasion where, like, he's mentioned getting, like, a beer after work um, in that, uh, like, like, in that- uh, cosmic carnage story he makes he makes a small reference to to grabbing a brewski uh with with his uh work bud but um ah, classic yeah tale. yeah classic <laughs> classic tale um so yeah so we get like one more quick check-in with uh with a support cast so we see randy has arrived and whoops he's actually married uh and so he kind of has like a guess who's coming to dinner kind of situation going on yeah he he's got some apprehension because his his wife is not black and then he like quickly rebounds and was like well actually my dad's like pretty cool with everything so i don't think it's going to be that much of an issue so it was kind of like an awkward way to um to introduce this concept i guess um by saying like oh this is going to be an uh, a problem and then immediately backpedaling like actually no it's not <laughs> Um, I, I mean, I, I guess it still, like, speaks to, like, the anxiety felt, like, with the character, but I, I don't know. And it's also not really, like, a huge deal in this issue, so, like, uh, I mean, did, did you have any thoughts on this? I, it's just weird for me, because I've never thought of uh, Robbie being married, and I don't think he is anymore, so, like, there's this whole thread that I'm getting the middle beat of here, and I just don't know anything more about it. I'm curious to read more. Right, I mean, he he does get divorced, and I, I think by the time, I think, I think fairly quickly if i remember correctly uh by the time we see him in uh you know chapter one he's divorced or uh, or i guess the the after effects of chapter one um well that's a ways off from here uh it's about like what 10 years Uh, about like 10 and a half yeah you're right okay um okay yeah but then we get to the what's been building kind of the big action moment is bambi gets home wearing her 80s uniform (laughs) uh leg warmers you know uh leotard done up hair and uh bad santa claus the santa imposter comes in and starts threatening her and is trying to steal her stuff and just on the other side of the wall like you mentioned earlier uh spider-man so he crashes through the wall 
to save her? No, I, I think I think he swings in through a window. Like he he. Um, oh, I think you're right. The framing made me think it was the wall, but it's a window in the background. So, right. Which yeah. I mean, Spider-Man does pretty regularly in these books, and I'm just gonna say for a guy who's always like down on uh his luck as far as cash goes he has flagrant disregard for how much window repair is for people and i guess i guess this is an apartment building so it's not like these people own these apartments um and it would be within their lease whether or not windows being broken by superheroes is covered by the tenant or the landlord but still i mean at least knock (laughs) um Wait, while robbery's going on? Well, you know. No. <laughs> no. I will defend Spider-Man here. This defenestration was warranted and accounted for. Well, he was he was it was more of a refenestration since he was going through the window rather than out of the window. I don't think that's <laughs> How the word works I've never thought about that <laughs> but okay so you know enough nitpicking so um yeah so so i mean there's just some great spider-man moments right here like he immediately comes in starts throwing out the barbs he calls like santa like a crook or something he's like you all you where's that bike you promised me 12 years ago you sham and like you know (laughs) like uh you know says like i want my schwinn when he's when he's chasing after him like just just like uh you know good solid spider-man yucks uh you know complete with the landlord showing up like what's going on here and peter just like tosses her over his shoulder like man who gets to say they get to throw their landlord around this is great um you know this this is an experience where or a a time where it seems like peter's really enjoying being spider-man uh you know as as far as the down in the dumps you know may or may not being having like a psychotic break speaking to his uh uh spider-man suit you know as down as he was there he seems to be like in a better place right here chasing down a deranged gun-toting uh mall santa um you know that's what you typically do on your christmas eve uh, <laughs> um and and of course uh uh beecham has more more time to draw women in negligee uh because this is happening while bambi candy and randy the three ten which is a different randy than uh randy robertson the three tenants of this apartment are all asleep um but, uh, it, you know, Mall Santa gives chase and eventually makes his way to the roof where he is only to be met by the real Santa, uh, which you had some confusion about uh, as far as this being like you thought it was the Punisher. I, I mean, not necessarily the Punisher. I just thought it was someone else because so, yeah, all that we get of the real Santa in this comic, the most powerful mutant in Marvel history. Uh <laughs> is you see his torso when the Santa imposter runs up to the roof from Spider-Man. Santa just says, last year is slasher films. Now it's this. I'm not laughing. And that's it. So I, I thought it was like a crazy Santa fan or something. Like, I, and it was like kidnapping him. I, I didn't know what was going on because we don't get a lot of what happens to this guy, except the next time we see him, he's uh, reformed and he has a note for 
Peter to call his aunt. And it's a rough transition. And to think that it's the real Santa, uh, which at this point, I guess Santa was entrenched in Marvel continuity if you were a hard Marvel buff, but not a well-established thing. But I guess, you know, if I'm reading Spider-Man, the idea that Santa Claus is real shouldn't trip me up too much. I just... (laughs) It just, my head wasn't there for it. So, like, I was trying to piece together what this was, and I just didn't land where I should have, I guess. Right. Well, I think one piece of the puzzle that's missing is that uh, the the topical reference he makes about the slasher flick is a 1984 film called Silent Night, Deadly Night, which was extremely controversial at the time. Uh, It was, it's, it's a santa themed slasher flick about like a guy who has like a traumatic christmas and you know because of this this traumatic christmas where he like he watches his parents die he later grows up and has his own psychotic break and goes on a killing spree dressed up as santa and all the promotional material of this had like a very deranged murderous santa and like they bought ad space during uh you know prime time when kids were watching tv and parents were up in arms over this they were like rioting in the streets almost about how like this is going to destroy children's faith in santa this is an attack on what should be like a wholesome family time uh you know it's a real war on christmas (laughs) um and so and so if you were reading this in 1985 you would know that you you would remember that uh, you you pretty much would have had to like been living under a rock to have not known about that because it was hugely controversial and it tanked the movie because of it because uh, it, it was only in theaters for I think a week before people started pulling it because of the controversy. So knowing that like that that would seem to to make you believe that oh this is like this guy is concerned with the image of Santa. I mean that that leads to believe that he's the actual Santa. Um, and then and you're right like as as far as like this this issue has been so densely packed that the last page we could have probably dealt with maybe like a, a half of a page more to really flesh out the ending but essentially santa kidnapped this mall santa and did something to him um, you know maybe like the santa version of the penance stare or whatever but it made this guy feel really repentant and so he shows up at a charity auction or i'm sorry a charity event that the bugle was holding um and gives away toys that santa made and like they're like oh is, like the police are like oh is he just giving away his stash and they're like no his stash is over there these are we don't know where these toys came from and you know the the strong implication being that they're they're, they're santa's toys um that santa told him to to pass out uh and then and yeah so and then the issue ends with Peter and MJ having a Christmas breakfast with uh, uh, Anna Watson and Aunt May and then directly leads into the next issue where there's like a stalker outside of Aunt May's home with a knife. And like, I mean, that doesn't play into this story. That, that's the cliffhanger to get you onto the next the next issue. It's just really funny to throw that in at the end of your like heartwarming Christmas issue. Like it's it's 
Uh, again, a very Peter David moment. Oh, yeah. It definitely is that. Um, I had a question. Did you have any connection or thoughts about the fact that this brings up a poem by J. Morris Jones at the very beginning of the comic, but it's kind of a banal, hey, it's Christmas time kind of poem. And I, I don't know if you if that added anything for you. No, it didn't really add anything. It didn't really add anything to me. I just assumed that it was like, it's a Christmas poem. It's a Christmas story. Like, again, playing into that idea of the idea idyllic christmas story and like the innocence and 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 that sort of thing and then what we get is like this kind of like skeevy christmas mall santa and like you know battered kids and you know like a, a deranged peter parker you know i i i thought i thought it was just about like um subverting the expectation and uh part of the uh, part of the subversion was to set up that expectation by opening the comic that way definitely i i think that's a good play on it i i just had this thought of the idea that you know this is back when spider-man was more written in reference to or around the world and part of the reason why this is so set in a time as opposed to some of the more insular like many of the comics we've read from different eras thus far this felt more of the moment than trying to be the spider-man christmas comic for all time or anything like that and it was just kind of interesting to have this classical uh poem fronting that off Mm -hmm. yeah no that's 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 fair um all right well i mean was was that was that i mean we've hit the end of the comic um was there anything else you wanted to add before we, we we close out i don't have any big additions uh that just leads us to do you think this feels like a spider-man story and what made it pop for you that way oh i mean this is definitely a spider-man story but the caveat is it's a spider-man story of this era and i think i think we've we've beat that point into the ground at this point um but it it is i mean it, it hits all those notes you get like the parker luck aspect of you know missing you know every every opportunity where someone invites him he's like out of earshot or he's moved on um you know you get the kind of street level crime element of it where you know spider-man starts stops like a petty burglary um you know you you get the goofs you get the laughs um you you know you see all the the support cast this is this feels like a very (laughs) (laughs) spider-man yeah this this feels like a very spider-man uh comic yeah you get the parker parker luck with the uh ladies in his life too oh yep Mm -hmm. there's i think the biggest thing for me about what this says about spider-man is about how other people view peter parker which we talked about earlier but i really feel that's the biggest takeaway to the character from this issue for sure yeah uh and that's not really something i picked up on when i was reading it like i mean not explicitly but that's a really good point like this is this is a comic without really that without calling attention to itself is a comic about how other people see peter parker and we don't really get that a lot because we always get his viewpoint and so it's always frustrating because it's like well, don't these people know that like he's being Spider-Man right now? Like, I mean, he's got more important things to do, but like, really, it's just like, he almost does like the the Batman thing from Batman the Animated Series where like, you know, Commissioner Gordon's talking and he turns around and he's like, oh, hey, by the way, Batman, and then Batman's just gone. Um, And so like, it, it's it's kind of like that. So yeah, 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 yeah. I, I see. I see the point you're making exactly. 
Right. Okay. So now, now it's upon us. We have to place this on the list. Uh, the first, the first check for you is: Does this meet the uh, pumping up bar for you, Kate? Yeah, yeah. Th- this meets the pumping up bar for me. Like this was a really fun issue. All right. Okay. Um. So that puts us roughly in the top third of the list. Um. Uh, did you have any other better things to drive down around? Uh. What What do you mean? I mean, other comparison points, the the first one that I'm saying that would be too high for me is Vibes, but that also is kind of a single issue. But that was very much a single issue, whereas this is an issue plucked from a run. Right. Uh, okay, so I, I see what you're saying. Uh, I would probably put it between uh, Peter Parker, Spider-Man 22, and who is that goblin I saw you with? Um you know, it, it, I, I'd put it below that uh, Peter Parker 22, just because like at the end of the day, this was not much of a superhero story, but like this was a Peter Parker story, which is fine. Mm-hmm. And I really like that. But if we're going to be talking about things that really like push the character in interesting ways or you know things that really really play with the relationship with all the characters and the complications and the years and years of stories this doesn't really do that this is just a really enjoyable um you know christmas issue and so i I wouldn't put it above you know the the peter parker spider-man 22 for those reasons because it it doesn't really lean into the genre to make itself like to to elevate itself um but I would say that I enjoyed it more than the Who is the Goblin I Saw You With, um, which was a fun kind of like epic Spider-Man tale. But at the end of the day, I I lean more toward these smaller, more personal stories than like the big epic tales. So I'm going to favor this story over that one. Right. Um, I I think you're making good points. I was looking a little lower. I was thinking more um, between Kimia's Castle and Identity Crisis, just because immediately above Kimia's Castle is that uh, Sandman team-up, which was a single issue that I really feel did a lot. And Kimia's Castle is such a... I I think it's such a standout story. I know you weren't as hot on it. I I just feel like, you know, when it comes to Spider-Man stories, I want to point to, you know, this is a great issue, but it is kind of an odd issue to try to parse on its own. And for that, I guess I'm knocking it down a bit more, even though, you know, tons of fun. We point out a lot of great things in it. It is an oddity of a time. And for the list, I I don't know, in my mind, I want to point people to these kind of more standout ones first. That's fair. And I mean, not to say that personal biases don't have a place in this completely and totally subjective list we have, but I, I think I am being painted by my my personal bias a little bit, just because, like again, I, I prefer these uh, kind of smaller narratives to the the bigger bombastic stories. Um, which you know, Kimi's Castle. I don't know if I would call it a big bombastic story, but that that team up, the Silver Sable team up, and the Who's the Goblin I saw you with, definitely. But I'll 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 go with that. I'll, I'll put it below Kimi as an above Identity Crisis. I'm I'm fine with that placement. All right, yeah, and also you know, Identity Crisis was of a time, and we're putting it above that, even though it led into possibly the greatest you know run of all time. It's Slingers, baby. All right, well, that's it for the all-new, all-daring Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man, number 112. Next up is going to be Media Blizzard, a crossover that starts with Sensational Spider-Man number one, then moves to Amazing Spider-Man number 408, and ends with 
Spider-Man 65. That's just plain Jane Spider-Man. Or after that, we'll be jumping back into the brand new day to cover Amazing Spider-Man 555 and 556, titled Sometimes It Snows in April. And after that, we'll head on over to Forest Hills for Spectacular Spider-Man number 173 and 175, Creatures Stirring. That's the Doc Ock comes over for Christmas uh, story and uh, that that uh, J.M.D. Mateus penned. And then we'll close out the block with Tangled Web of Spider-Man number 21, Twas the Fight Before Christmas. Um, yeah, so so we got a whole bunch of uh, wintry tales for for you guys as we continue to trek through this holiday season. But, uh, you know, we'd like to thank all you guys for tuning in since we've just been doing a whole bunch of thanking lately. Thanksgiving just happened. Um, you can follow our show on Twitter and Facebook for updates and more. We also have a Patreon. $3.99 a month grants you access to our Spider-Man B-Title reviews, the Amazing Spider Talks, Amazing Spider-Man reviews, as well as our VIP channel on the Slack community, the Amazing Spider Slack. If you want even more goodies, $10 a month gets you commissioned artwork from Spider-Man artists you can't get anywhere else. $20 a month gets that art colored for you. And if you just want to hang out on the Slack community with us in that VIP channel, just $1 a month, $1 gets you in that VIP uh, section. Um, Maybe it's more like a sort of import person. $1 is is, uh, pretty generous. But um, anyway, uh, thanks again to the Ellie Badge for providing our uh, theme song. If you want to listen to more from the Ellie Badge, check out the show notes for links. Matt, are you still on Twitter at at MagicalMatt42? Sure am. All right. I'm still on Twitter at CaneWrites. The show is still on Twitter as well at UntoldTalksSPMN. You can also email the show at untoldtalkswithspiderman at gmail.com. Until Kane slips into a hot bath and remembers when I told him I thought he looked like a dog, make mine untold. <laughs> <laughs>